You're listening to the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. In today's publishing landscape, you can reach fans all over the world. Query letters are a thing of the past. You don't even need a literary agent. There is nothing standing in the way of making a living from writing. Join two best-selling authors who have self-published more than 20 books between them. Now, on to the show with your hosts, Autumn Burt and Jasper Schmidt. Hello, I'm Autumn, and this is episode 153 of the Am Writing Fantasy podcast. And this week we have Jesper on vacation and taking a bit of a break, which, you know, I guess he deserves. But so instead, I have with me a different author, a sensitivity reader, and someone who writes fantasy, and I'm so looking forward to talking to her. So welcome to the podcast, Iona Wayland. Hi there. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. Like I said, you're a tea drinker. You're a pet mom. This is going to be so much fun. And I even like the sensitivity. I can't wait to talk about that because I know my first story, my first passions were like, well, you know, we have these giant epic fantasy quests and no one ever seems to come out the other side with like PTSD. So that was one of the first things that I thought of when I first started writing back in, you know, 2010. So I cannot wait to talk to you. But first, go ahead and introduce yourself. I know you have your book Ashes and talk is, tell us a little bit about that and tell us, you know, how you decided to become like a sensitivity reader. Well, I um, am my day job is a trauma therapist. And by night, so to speak, I write. <laughs> and Ashes is my de- debut. It's a dark fantasy novel. It has um, a Latinx main character named Angela, and she has to um, decide if she wants to journey and avenge her brother's death. And so it's those trials of figuring out herself in, in the midst of trying to save her brother. Oh, that is cool. So yeah, so he's dead. Is it saving his soul or saving him? Or is that giving away too much of the book? Oh, it it won't give away too much. Um, He is he is dead at the beginning of the book, but it explores um, what was behind his death and Mm -hmm. what is behind like what his soul needs to pass on. That is so cool. I Thanks. love it. <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. And I looked at the cover. I'm also a graphic artist and I saw the cover. I'm like, cool. I like this. This is a very nice cover. So Oh, I'm so job. glad you like the cover. Um, I designed it. I'm not, I mean, I'm not talented like what you're saying, but I did design. <laughs> I was like, this is exactly what I want. Please, if you're able to do that. And they were. So that oh, was nice. Fantastic. Well, yeah, it came out really nice. I do like it. So, wow, you've been working with trauma. So that's already your interest and your background. And it, did that bring you to writing? Or have you always been a fantasy reader or always wanted to be a fantasy writer? I've always been a reader and a writer to the point where before I even could write like I knew the alphabet or anything, I would watch cats out of like alley cats out of my window as like a little kid and write loop de loops. And that was my version of writing stories about the cats that I saw. So um, ever since then, I've just always wanted to be an author. And I'm definitely, definitely a reader. So fantasy is the main thing. 
But I really like all genres. There's not any that I dislike. No, I think that's one of the benefits of being like an indie author that if you want to do a cozy mystery slash fantasy mm-hmm. slash something, we can mash those up and turn it into something really <laughs> special. <laughs> yes, it's true. It gets very niche. I love it. Uh, yes, very much so. So before we get into some of the topics and I think it's interesting because it sounds like your your writing tends towards inspiration, which is super cool and more like noble bright. But I have to ask what your favorite type of tea is because I never get another tea enthusiast on the podcast. Oh, that's hard. <laughs> oh, that's so hard. Well, Sorry. right now I'm drinking an English breakfast. Nice. Um, but, oh man, my favorite tea. I, I have to say chai tea, which isn't really specific because chai just means tea. Yeah. So, but I like the spiced tea for sure is is so delicious, and I'm I'm really into bubble tea right now. Oh, um, very cool. Yeah, I definitely have that as like my Wednesday um, treat to myself, <laughs> middle of the week treat to myself. I'll get a bubble tea. I love that. I'm not anywhere close to any place that sells bubble tea. So I will live vicariously Uh, through you for that one. Yes. (laughs) I definitely got lucky. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, chai tea, again, is a perfect answer for this time of the season and the fall. Mm -hmm. We're recording this in October. So yeah, we're all in the pumpkin spice attitude right now. Yes. Yes, we are. All right. So this is Ash is your first one. Are you working on something else right now? Or are you going to keep writing? I'm actually working on a sequel. <gasps> um, but there was a bunch of very happy but intense life stuff popping up that was really good and wonderful. But I it also made writing go on the back burner for a little bit. Um, but I am working on the sequel to that. And well, the goal is to make it a sequel within the same universe. And the main characters of the first book are mentioned or maybe even run into. But it is like a different main character this time. Oh, I like the ones like that, especially where you can, you know, work in somebody from a previous book or a different book and they just do like a cameo that it's yes. <laughs> very cool yeah, so yeah i was like reading about what you do and as, as sensitivity so you have to tell us what a sensitivity reader is and how you came up with that idea but i was gonna say looking at your own writing like you like to look at grief and surviving trauma and finding purpose and strength and when i read that i'm like oh you probably like the as someone else put it what's considered traditional fantasy but they decided to start calling it noble bright which is you know it might go dark, but there's always that hope that's buried in there rather than Mm -hmm. everything being dark and dire. And you're wondering, I remember one of the first dark fantasies I read, it was really close to the end and his sister died. Everyone, this person cared about had died and he's trudging through a swamp. And I can't even remember what the purpose, you know, what the final target and goal was. And I'm just like, you know, if I was this character, I would just lay down in the swamp and I'm done. So that's the other side of dark fantasy, but it sounds like you try to pull out a little bit of that hope in the healing. Yeah, I definitely am healing focused and it's not saying that it's necessarily happy or um, what the character expected to have happen. Mm -hmm. And there's still trauma from those experiences. And at the same time, I feel like healing is such a beautiful, intense process um, that all humans are capable of making that I just wanted to make sure I depicted the human experience in that way in my writing for sure. Oh, I love that. That is so, you know, it's touching and it's, I love 
not uh, it's one of those things when you're writing you know some people like have a moral compass and they're it's almost like the fable where they're like doing a morality play and they're pushing the novel that way but i do love it when you have characters and like you said it's almost like a twist or it's not what they expect it's not what they fear but it's a different result but i do love the Mm -hmm. power of that change the character arc you probably work on that specifically is to see a character go through this trauma face it and come out the other side one way or the other or somewhere in between Hmm. yes exactly i love some good character arcs for sure oh is there a special one that you like to see like is there something you've recently read as a sensitivity reader or even when you're writing or just a book you picked up and you're like gosh that was a good healing you know what made you think this is not only realistic but just a very solid character, character arc, and maybe a little bit of a surprise. There was one. So this is actually from a TV show that I've been watching, and it's an it's an older TV show. Um, but I it, there is this character that was really annoying <laughs> in the beginning, and and he was kind of insufferable at oh. times and very emotionally immature. And as it's carried on, you could tell that his character arc was instead of being insecure and overcompensating by being Mm -hmm. kind of obnoxious, he was like, no, you know what? I can do this. And if you believe me, then, then great. But if you don't, I'm still going to do it anyway. And he got to be like one of my favorite characters um, by the end of it. So I thought that was pretty cool to, I I had that whole, like, this guy's like really annoying. And I wonder if he's going to be written out. That's how annoying it is. And it was really cool to see him thrive. It was very neat. So that That is is something that recently popped up for me. That is fantastic. That's actually something I wish I had done in my debut novel. I have a character that he's, I would describe him more as overly sensitive, maybe sliding towards manic depressive with highs and lows and often Mm -hmm. making bad choices. Mm -hmm. And I've actually had a few readers be like, oh my gosh, I can't stand him. I want to skip his chapters. And I don't think I really (laughs) ever healed him if i ever go back to the story i think um Mm -hmm. because there's always it's i've done two trilogies and i like even things like three sets of three it's just Mm -hmm. i'm half tempted to write another third set and i might have to finish up his character arc where yeah maybe people will not want to like drown him (laughs) (laughs) it can be done um, if that's what you decide (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So, but that is really, that would be a really cool character arc to see having someone have like peaks and lows like that, being yes. able to find more of a stability in between. That's pretty cool. It was, but I have to say, as especially having published that one in 2012, I've had definitely people not see why I did that. Like they want to have an easy character. They want a character that makes sense and a character arc. And literally there's times he doesn't make sense because he just... He's got emotional highs and lows that don't always jive with what's going on or a little extreme on either side. And I do Mm -hmm. see that as an issue, even though I try to bring out the nuances, like he's a little different in the society. He's a little unhinged, but to other people who are more stable. 
it's just the way he is. But I think people are getting it a little bit more now. I mean, it's been almost <laughs> 10 years since I wrote it. How crazy is that that it's been almost 10 years since then? No, it is. And what's crazy is how much society has changed. I see a lot more nuances in characters where they are maybe there's some mental health issues and other things. And that's brought up a little bit more, even in fantasy, where I think before it used to be more in nonfiction. So I think it's a little mm-hmm. more understood, but I would say, I, I don't know if you would give us any hints or tips on that, but if you're writing a character that does have some stresses like post-traumatic stress or mental health issues, mm-hmm. cluing the reader in that you're not just throwing a crazy character and making them erupt just to like make the plot tense, but that it's actually mm-hmm. a character issue, an internal thing that's going on. Mm-hmm. I really like that. I I love when people are able to not like to show the nuances like you're talking about and show that it's an inner character struggle and how it shows up for that character through symptoms is very cool when people are pulling them off in the correct way. (laughs) Not that there's there's one way. That is what's hard. And there is not just one way. Um, But that's where sensitivity readers come in. um, Where So I I read... um, that's so sensitivity reading is where there's someone with expertise or the life experience or both and they will read through a manuscript that has not been published yet mm-hmm. and they will point out depictions that may be harmful or inaccurate so they they really edit for inaccuracies um in that regard um and then also i do diversity reading too because i am a mixed race woman of color and i like being able to um help in that regard as well oh that's fantastic oh and that's so important with so many people being more interested in writing different perspectives and viewpoints and races and cultures even when you get into fantasy i mean even a dwarf is different from an elf versus a different color or other race Mm -hmm. so that is cool that you can bring that out and see if the experience is you know like you said authentic and valid and not just being cliched and stereotype Mm -hmm. in in writing like i think most authors and writers would agree that writing is very powerful. It mm-hmm. depicts what's going on in our world. It shows, even if it's in a totally different realm, it shows what the author's points of views are and what those characters' points of views are and what they see. And so it's it's really important to make sure that the representation is accurate so that there's not a perpetuating cycle going on from generation to generation. Yes, that's so true. I mean, I know I was paying attention when I was, I just wrote a fae, contemporary fae fantasy, mm-hmm. urban fantasy. And part of it, I have um, a Native American, as in Native American, more of a spiritual being. And to mm-hmm. not fall in that cliche of the Native American who's a sage and knows all the answers or, you know, mm-hmm. all these other, you know, to make him an authentic character who happens also to be a Native American spirit who also has this history that he actually kind of doesn't quite understand like so many teenagers are like yeah great my grandfather's this great dude and he's like go out to the forest and go on a quest Mm -hmm. and i'm like what (laughs) so Mm -hmm. it is important though but because sometimes we don't even realize the stereotypes we're contributing to i mean i was just at a fantasy con 
and I was on a panel for women in fantasy and we decided that it was mm-hmm. women characters, not just women authors. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I pointed out that so many times in the U S as a student, all of our examples are he, and it's always he and she or something, you know, the guy is always first. And I'm like, you know what? Mm-hmm. Screw that. I started all of my pronouns. All my example cases are now female mm-hmm. or sometimes I'll do 50, 50. Mm-hmm. I'll switch back and forth, but I always start with the woman first. I always put she first because mm-hmm. why, what's, why is the default he, and you know, it only took yeah. me like 40 years to figure that one out. <laughs> And there's so many different like nuances too to gender expression yes. and experiences and stuff. Yes. Like why start with he? Yeah. You know? Exactly. Yeah. I, I love that. I really love that. Yeah. And even like you were saying, I mean, I just finished um the Le Bardigo, the Grishaverse books. And oh, oh yes. my gosh, kudos to her. I mean, she has non-binary, uh, transgender. I mean, she has it mm-hmm. all, and it was so fantastic to read. I'm like, this is I can imagine the fantasy I read because I grew up in a very conservative, very Christian, very rural place. And I know the fantasy mm-hmm. I read changed my perspective of who I became. And I'm thinking, my mm-hmm. goodness, if I could have read the Grishaverse in, when I was 13, yeah. 14, 15, and they thought Dungeons and Dragons was bad. Holy crap. This yeah. totally <laughs> blown me out of the water. <laughs> I think that shows the power of writing and how it why does. it's so important to have accurate representation. It can really change people's lives. It it's can. truly incredible. So, I mean, as a so as a sensitivity reader, what are the steps that you do when you look to help an author and what you're reading? What are you looking for that says this is an authentic experience versus, well, this might be you know the wrong way to go? Oh, that's a good question. Okay, so. One of the things I see most often is when certain races or ethnicities or mental health experiences mm-hmm. are experienced like a monolith. So like oh. like there's there's like three examples. So like let's say let's use depression. That's something that a lot of people experience and um, struggle to overcome or do overcome. And that is something that I think what a lot of people think is depression means sad. Mm-hmm. And so if that's the only presentation of depression, there's nothing that shows what actually is making that depression for that character. Like everyone feels sad, right? but depression's different. There's way more um, reactions and symptoms that someone can go through. It can be very diverse. That could be having difficulty getting up in the morning. Mm-hmm. That can be staring off, off into space in the middle of the workday. Yeah. That can be forgetting to brush your teeth or take a shower for a while and then being like, oh, shoot, how long has it been? Or not having the energy to do that. Or mm-hmm. some people even experience physical pain of that. So I I look for if there's any like broad strokes oversimplification mm-hmm. of mental health um, or any other kinds of experiences in the author's work. I think that way I can be like, let's be a little more specific. And that. how does it show up for your character specifically? Oh, I so like that. It reminds me of like, you know, I often teach like writing with the five senses. We so rely on visual and then we might have sound mm-hmm. because dialogue is sound, but it's like mm-hmm. touch, taste, all of these other things are a way of experiencing the world and doing your world building. It helps bring the world to mm-hmm. life if you can touch it. So you're saying the same mm-hmm. thing like with depression, you know, even to me, I'm a huge foodie. So it's like losing that drive for like good taste being like, yeah, it's just yes. whatever, you know, that's all a sign. And it also gives mm-hmm. more depth to your character and more depth to the experience. Oh, I like that so mm-hmm. much. <laughs> 
I'm glad. And I'm glad you talk about the different senses. I remember my world being like totally blown away when (laughs) I learned that there was more than five senses. Like not, well, there's the five main ones, but like there's like balance. Like Mm -hmm. if something feels off kilter, there's heat, hot and cold. There's like, I mean, there's like 20 more or something like that. But I remember like at the very least, let's bring in the five senses. But there's also all these other things too that we can add on there for the whole experience. Exactly. And I always looked at it, even the sixth sense, the traditional sixth sense is mind or soul spirit. So that's where the mental health comes in. Is It's Mm -hmm. not just intelligence, but it's how well you deal with things. And that is such Mm -hmm. an interesting, you know, we talk about personality tests to develop your character, but looking at Mm -hmm. just how reactive, how adaptive are they mentally to big changes? Some people are going to break very quickly and some Mm -hmm. people are going to be surprising and they're going to be mm-hmm. able to change and flow, but eventually something might trip them up. And it's it's part of knowing your character, knowing how they're mentally and emotionally handling the things you're, these hurdles that you're throwing at them or letting them fall in love and then yanking that away. How are they, mm-hmm. they're just going to be like, oh, wow, there's a deeper impact to those things. There's definitely a consequence. That, yeah, a deeper <laughs> impact for sure. Very cool. So what are some tips besides, you know, don't, so we have, don't, you know, don't just dwell on one aspect, like, you know, definitely do your homework. If you're going to have a character who's depressed, look at some of the other symptoms that are there. Like if they're manic depressive, understand what the highs and the lows are mm-hmm. and find a way of, of explaining that. Like I said, I, I can see readers being still startled. If you have a character that is truly going through a mental health crisis or has some issues and especially when you come into across it in fantasy, it's not still not traditional to have those things, but they're creeping in there. But it mm-hmm. helps to clue in the reader somehow saying, I'm not just being over-exaggerative of this one character. There's a real reason. I mean, is there some clues or some tips you can give us that are a way of letting people know that this is, you know, this these are the things that are happening to this character or for a reason on purpose? Yeah, I I definitely tell people um, to develop the character first. Mm. Um, develop the character first because having a mental injury or mental illness is not a character trait. Um, if someone's like, oh my gosh, they're so anxious, that doesn't really tell me anything about the character at all. <laughs> that that is just conveying a diagnosis or uh, mm. or someone questioning if maybe they might have this diagnosis. Like, uh-huh. I want you to know, are they extroverted, introverted, ambiverted? Mm-hmm. Um, do they out loud process, internally process? Are they quick to anger? Like, do they have a quick fuse? Or are they really patient? Like, how do they process the world? How do they react to other people? What is What do they hold dear? What do they mm. push away? Those kinds of things. And then, then you can add the diagnosis because you already know your character as a person. Because I think that they'll, sometimes there will be writers who will have someone have their villain origin story is that they um, are bipolar. And it's like, well, that doesn't really tell me anything. Um, There are lots of people who are bipolar. There's different kinds of bipolar. Like, tell me about your character first and then just show through show, don't tell, really. Show me what their symptoms are. And I think that's important to remember also not to always villainize 
those with mental health either, because that's a big thing that I see very frequently. And it's kind of cliche now, I think. Yeah, I was just when you said the villain being bipolar, I'm like, Oh, but isn't that a stereotype too? I mean, that's it is just like the Joker or something in Batman. It's should not always be the mentally ill who goes off the deep end. They you can have a way. I, I think it's interesting because I've even read fantasy recently where there was someone who was going through issues and I think the elves came up with a drug for them. I'm like, oh my goodness, we're getting into pharmaceuticals now. This is fantastic. <laughs> but you can be a healthy, productive member of society and have and just be different. Um, you know, my nephew actually has Asperger's and Mm-hmm. he and i it kind of runs in my family we're all very literal like if you see a sign on the road that says like road drops 500 feet our immediate thought is the road is gonna fall 500 feet what mm-hmm. <laughs> no. it's we have a very literal interpretation but it's just a different way of seeing the world it's just our mm-hmm. lens of the world is slightly different from most other people but again what exactly. is most other people what is normal this is normal yeah. for me <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's such thing. I think normal is made up. <laughs> or as a, a therapist joke is, it's a setting on your washer machine. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It doesn't say average like normal cycle. That's true. I like mm-hmm. that. I'm going to use that from now on to defend myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I do think that what you're saying is like, yeah, like do, you process the world or family members are on the spectrum or autistic and they process the world in a different way but it's also not different it's also just how you process it so i would love to see an autistic character um with those kinds of like the the ability the different abilities and disabilities portrayed there with that disorder yeah, I don't even like calling it a disorder. It's uh, it's someone not neuro, and I'm I am not neurotypical, so <laughs> I'm neurodivergent myself. Excellent. So I think <laughs> that it's very cool to see all kinds of representation in writing. I think it's important too, and that's one of the things I do love. That I mean, I did grow up in the '80s, and it seemed like all the it was all the male characters, you know, He Man or something, and they're wearing swords and they're going off and saving the women and i was i was always at least um neuroatypical enough to usually just be able to put myself in the place of the hero it didn't matter i was a tomboy mm-hmm. i thank goodness i actually just realized this the other day that my brother never said i couldn't do something because i was a girl we were like playing cowboys that. and indians together he let me play with his matchboxes mm-hmm. i'm like oh my goodness how much of my weird view of life comes from my brother not treating me like a younger brother <laughs> instead of a little girl <laughs> uh, all the way down to trying to draw and quarter me once, but we won't go there. <laughs> but the joys is... of sibling relationships. <laughs> <laughs> I love writing about them. They're so horribly wonderful, but mm-hmm. it is true. It's, it's those different viewpoints and the diversity of viewpoints that make even a quest group. You don't want every single person the same and I know one of the advices I give is like if you're having a problem telling your characters apart which one your readers will then have a problem but give them Mm -hmm. like a totem Um, like this one's the fox this one's the owl you know do something so that you understand their differences some kind of way of seeing them differently 
And I think that goes for even how they That's think. Cool you... way, especially like if the person's like indigenous and they understand yeah. the backgrounds behind like what totems mean. Yeah. But if you aren't indigenous and, and you want to try something else, you could also do like um, uh, s- smells. This one yeah. author, and now I forget who said it, but <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't help. But um, she was like, you, you can use smells like scents. Um, and like imagine that they're a candle, what would it be? I know mm-hmm. for me, sometimes I'll imagine characters wearing certain colors, yeah. um, just cause color is so important to me and yeah. having those different like connections with color and, and what they mean for me and how I can tell like my characters apart and what makes them different from each other. Yeah, that's uh, when I wrote my debut. That was how I managed to get into character's head. I actually wrote in a different color font for each of the characters. Neat. And See, that, that is so helpful, isn't it? It was so helpful. I could, I knew then to stay if I was, especially I was trying to do all chapters in one point of view. So I knew to stay if I'm in red, I was in Thai and I had to stay in Thai. And it really helped me learn a lot better. But I, I like that smells that also gives you a totally different perspective and reminds you to use your other senses. Mm -hmm, it does i i really hadn't thought of it until this person said it and now i wish i could remember this person's name (laughs) (laughs) okay i I, i'm sure well you know google i would say we can google them but yeah that sometimes doesn't work there's just so much out there anymore Mm -hmm. well that's really cool so you i love that you do this kind of reading and sensitivity reading for both mental health as well as races and stereotypes and when you do it, like character arc wise, what are some tips you can say for like showing a character shifting from the one side of their arc to the other? Like, are there good turning point issues or what are ways of showing that, you know, they're becoming, they're healing and moving on? Oh, that's a really great question. Um, something that I think is helpful to show with healing mm-hmm. is that it's not linear. So, I think a lot of people, um, even even their expectation for therapy sometimes is like, okay, I'm going to have like six sessions and then on the seventh one, there will be a big epiphany and then I'll be fixed, whatever that even means. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's not quite how it works. There, and that's not how it's going to work for characters either. No. Um, so I think it'll be cool to show like – you know, they, they, their tolerance might get longer. Like when Mm -hmm. they usually are like really quick to anger, maybe Mm -hmm. show that their tolerance before they blow up is lasting (laughs) a little bit longer and a little bit longer, or they're able to tolerate um, another character a little bit longer than usual. Or if someone has a hard time accepting um, uh, accolades or like, Mm Uh, compliments than showing that change in their affect from being able to just brush off, be like, no, this is, it's like, wow, you really saved me. Like you're a hero. And then being like, I'm not a hero. Like we see that so much in, in fantasy, like I'm not a hero. I'm just doing my job, but getting to a point where they're empowered enough to accept that they did something very difficult and very brave and courageous is very, very beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, I also um, love because I love seeing this because this is how it happens in real life mm-hmm. is when people regress. So there will be these accomplishments, these accomplishments, these accomplishments, and then they might use they might break a little mm-hmm. and use an old maladaptive coping strategy Ooh. that 
they don't they they haven't used for months or a year or whatever and then they go back to doing that and then they're like oh was this all for nothing and of course it's not all for nothing Mm -hmm. but showing that like I've been different I've been I'm different now like but why did I do this and and showing how they come back from that again and again and um I know someone told me once um that healing is is kind of almost like cyclical where it'll go in a circle Uh you're going forward like a wheel Uh but it you have some patterns that you have to break out of that take some time and you might repeat them oh i love that it reminds me of the um enneagram which has like the nine stages for each of the key personality types and so it's like you Mm. you can move up and down the scale and mm-hmm. it's not just villains moving down but you know you can have a character that starts really high and they can go down and they can go back up and they can go back down mm-hmm. i mean i know i remember again one of my characters one of my favorite characters and he starts off pretty high he's pretty kick-ass but he um mm-hmm. his the second book you, there's a huge event at the end of the second one he loses his sister and he mm-hmm. he just kind of crumbles and he slides down and some people were really mad at me but i'm like this is legit this is you know Mm -hmm. people go through things i've actually i've lost siblings Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. it changes you and i'm surprised that some people didn't want to see a character go down maybe have a he went from a positive arc to a negative arc in one book and then you know Mm -hmm. he came back up to the third book that's what a trilogy is for right absolutely and that's how it is like you're saying in real life like grief that's something that i heavily heavily explore in ashes is i think they used to think that it was like the stages of grief oh it's not stages it's a swinging pendulum we don't know what's gonna happen (laughs) we don't know um and you can go move back and forth all throughout your life for the rest of your life it's gonna affect it you're going to miss that person and that's what i really wanted to show and there are times when angela my main character she will um sometimes handle things really well and use her resilience and use Mm -hmm. her um like i'm gonna do this for my family kind of attitude Mm -hmm. and then there are other times where she's like wow what am i doing here like (laughs) it's it's just even gonna work Yeah. yeah it's true and realistic. And I love that. And again, I mean, we just because it's fantasy in a fantasy setting or has magic doesn't mean that the emotions aren't real. I mean, that's how we can pretend to be mm-hmm. a dragon or pretend to be an elf or any other species mm-hmm. that we come up with is those really the emotional connections. And that's also what draws us to characters. And that's why I think explaining it so that as someone who hasn't experienced grief or hasn't experienced someone in their family who is has mental health issues might not quite, mm-hmm. will actually get it a little bit. And I think that's really important mm-hmm. is to not just make some people go, this doesn't make any sense, but try to draw out the realism and say, this is, this is mm-hmm. how it is for some people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. Yeah. Well, is there any other tips you can think of that you think would really help writers, you know, talk about how to write even, we talked a lot about mental health, but even um, bringing out cultural differences, how not to fall into those stereotypical traps or how to even question, you know, when you're developing a character, is there a certain point where you're like, where do you stop and ask yourself, am I just being a stereotype with this person? <laughs> 
Well, it's hard to know what biases because we all have biases that we don't know about, yes. which is why it's lovely to have critique partners. Oh, yes. um, I My advice is to include the community if you can, like of whatever you're writing about. So like Ooh. if you're an allistic person and you're writing an autistic character, then you should have some autistic beta readers. Nice. Um, if you're not able to do, I, I obviously support someone doing sensitivity reading um, <laughs> or having a sensitivity reader, I should say. Um, but if the person doesn't want to do that, then having the community um, help them and then being very open to feedback about that. Um, because I think even though we can have biases, if we have certain disorders or if we have certain um, backgrounds, like racial and ethnic backgrounds, I think there's more room for biased error when we mm. don't share that community. So that's why it's so yes. important to include the community there. Um, and just making sure to it, unlearning certain <laughs> things does not feel very good. But oh, overall, gosh. it will improve your writing. Oh, that, that's so very true. And I, I know as it's I love question. I, I swear I didn't question anything as a teenager. I've made up for it as I've gotten older. But <laughs> I think that's part of being a teenager. I think so. What an You're experience. Just <laughs> oh. <laughs> but it is very important. I think I mean, when I sit down to create a character and I go with my first gut assumption, it's like a female or a male. And I always stop. Why? What color? You know, why do I feel mm -hmm. like it should be that way? And I think that's so important mm -hmm. is to question basically it's exhausting but when it comes to your main mm -hmm. characters or even your sub characters i know i was reading something helping a writing coach with something and it seemed like every default character was a male the doctor was a male the nurses were female i'm like come on wake up 2020 2021 even no <laughs> your doctors are now female your nurses are now male deal with it <laughs> and mm -hmm. but it sneaks in there and sometimes i think mm -hmm. you're right i saw it because i wasn't the author and so i really noticed mm -hmm. it i mean if, i think if i went back to something i'd written ages ago and i looked at it with a clean slate i would also go like oh my gosh why did i choose that mm -hmm. i've definitely looked at my old writing and been like <laughs> well i've certainly grown because i know these certain thought processes are not accurate anymore <laughs> But you never know, we, have been, but I really <laughs> thought they were. <laughs> I think I think we all deserve to be able to grow. I always feel bad, even mm -hmm. if it is for politicians, which it's hard to feel bad for politicians. But you know, it's like <laughs> in 20, 30 years ago you voted on this. Oh, for goodness sakes, let them change. People can mm -hmm. change their mind over 30 years. Your writing mm -hmm. will change. Don't it be afraid, will. I guess, to try writing a different culture, writing a different species. I know with my first books, I remember thinking I wanted a fantasy race. I didn't want elves. What color should they be? And I was thinking mm -hmm. black. Yeah, I was trying to go through everything, but I wanted to be fantasy. And I finally made them, their skin's the color of bark. So, you know, go ahead, be different. Mm -hmm. Come up with something totally new. That's fine, too. Yeah. Don't be afraid of trying it. But yeah, make sure you probably check in with someone else, some beta readers, some sensitivity readers to make sure you're mm -hmm. not off the wall and going to... Yeah, the, the bark thing reminded me, this is not me saying your elves are bad. They're oh, not. No. It's not, I promise, this is something totally different. It just reminded me of, that's something that has has changed a lot, um, is the description of 
eye color, hair color, skin yeah. color. Um, it used to be that apparently, apparently everyone's default white for some reason. <laughs> and then and then um anyone else would be compared to food. Um oh. And so they would be like, so they would be like chocolate skin oh, for right. someone who's Coffee. black, or like Mo- yeah. mocha, yeah, caramel, I'm, yeah, um, yeah. And that wasn't really. I mean, I'm sure it was harmful because anytime you describe someone as food related, it's like that's a, a bit othering. I would think, especially if you don't do it for one race like the white race Um, but um it's cool to see like how that's changed and how authors like there are authors who didn't know that that was harmful and they learned and they were like okay that's an easy fix and they just put that in there and i i love that's what i love seeing like as a sensitivity reader is not the mistake i don't care if someone makes a mistake because it just is something that they're going to grow from Mm -hmm. i i I do care if they don't listen to, not that they have to, they don't have to rewrite their book or anything, usually. (laughs) Um, Sometimes that does have to happen. Um, But it's just like, are they listening to the feedback of like, hey, here's a bit of educational piece as to why this isn't working. Um, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it it may have worked, but we found that it's harmful. And so, and here's why, and here's a way to do it a different way. And when people are like, oh, that makes sense. We'll do. I'm like, see, that was not difficult. (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's so much better to get it on, you know, from a sensitivity reader versus seeing it as a review on Amazon or Goodreads and being blasted for either cultural appropriation or being harmful mm-hmm. with stereotypes. It, it, yeah. It's, it hurts. It's, it can hurt a lot of people. It, it, it has hurt. the potential to, yeah. yeah. We're in a global community and a global society. Mm -hmm. And so all of our stuff, as much as we wish it was simpler, you have to be culturally and mental health. You have to be aware that all of these things are out Mm -hmm. there and you should write the best you can. And I still say there Mm -hmm. are times where you might choose to do something that's a little harsh, but always make it a choice. Have an answer if someone says, Mm -hmm. why did you do this? If you have an answer that's legit, that's fine. Means you were intentional with it. Yeah. yeah just be intentional. I like that. Yes. The, the intentions. And the, I, I like what you were saying too. Always question your motivation. Why, why, why? <laughs> um, and then be intentional when you write is, is so important. And I think that's very, very cool. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And of course, I'm going to put links to your webpage, but please to go ahead and tell people how to find you. So if they're interested in learning more about sensitivity reading, that they know where to look you up. Yes. Okay. So I am most active on Instagram and that's Iona.Wayland. And I'm sure you'll have that information too. But oh, yeah. Um, uh, my book is available in ebook paperback and it just released as audiobook. Woo! I was very excited to work with Melissa Medina. They did a wonderful, wonderful voice of Angela and brought nice. her story to life beautifully. And then um, on my website, if you have inquiries about um, sensitivity reading rates or questions or anything of that sort, you can um, send me an information. You can send me your question or your manuscript or whatever have you through my, at the very bottom of my webpage. And you can sign up for my monthly newsletter. 
Oh, I didn't see the the newsletter. I might go back and get that because I think that'd be, I want to stay in touch. That'd be fantastic. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Great. Thanks again so much for joining us. And next week, Jesper will be back. Actually, he'll be solo and he'll have another fantastic interview lined up for you. If you like what you just heard, there's a few things you can do to support the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Please tell a fellow author about the show and visit us at Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. You can also join Autumn and Jasper on Patreon.com slash AmWritingFantasy. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get awesome rewards and keep the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast going. Stay safe out there and see you next Monday.